Penn State Conversations is a podcast produced by the Donald P. Bellisario College of Communications. Episode topics range from the people, programs, and events that shape the Bellisario College to discussing key aspects of life in the professional world for young and upcoming communications alumni. Please enjoy this episode of Penn State Conversations. Hi, I'm Bob Richards, the John and Ann Curley Professor of First Amendment Studies and Director of the Penn State Hollywood Program. I'm here with Deepak Sethi. He is a lecturer in the Belisario College and also a colleague of mine in the Hollywood Program. Deepak also has a day job. He is a writer here in Los Angeles, currently working on the show Apple and Onion, which airs on the Cartoon Network. Thanks for being here today. Of course. Thanks for having me. Today, we're going to be talking about the impact of the coronavirus on Hollywood. Like with most other industries, uh, COVID-19 has taken its toll on the entertainment business, with the production of film and television coming to an abrupt halt back in March. Now, we're going to talk about animation in a minute, but let's get started by talking about live action. When we talk about live action, we're talking about a term that means videography or cinematography of a live person rather than an animated character. Think of most dramatic shows or comedy shows that you watch on television. What is happening with those types of shows during this virus? Uh, Well, it's really tough, obviously, just because in live action you have a set and the set has, you know, upwards of 100 100 people, maybe more, and they all have to work in close proximity. So um, COVID-19 has sort of halted that in a way, um, fully halted it because there's just no safe way right now for, especially at this time, um, for uh, sets to go on. And because of that, a lot of the um, shooting that has happened here in the city has halted to a stop and it's really difficult to um, maintain anything uh, safety wise. Uh, and I think that's just you know the nature of the business at this point. So we'll see how it goes as we get more testing and, and more abilities to safely go back to work. When we think about safely going back to work or returning to some semblance of normalcy in the production environment, in light of the virus, that seems kind of a daunting task. I mean, for instance, how do you social distance if you're on a set? If you're an actor and you have to work and interact with each other, or if you're the crew and you have to be there with cameras or sound, I mean, it would be very difficult to do that on a set as we now know it. Have you thought about or have you heard about anything that how that might work in the future? Well, I think testing is going to be the most important thing. Um, I'm not sure exactly how it'll work um, because a lot of a lot of the shooting requires the participation of all the guilds, um, which in Hollywood, a lot of the unions, for example, the writers union, the directors union, the SAG actor, uh, SAG actor, which is the, the the actors union, those are all important to get um, everyone on board. And unless everyone feels safe, it's not going to happen. So. Um, I think, you know, as testing becomes more um, uh, prevalent and more like just available so that we can continuously test on on set, I think nothing's really going to happen. But also at the same time, you know, smaller, smaller sets with skeleton crews, I could see those things um, happening a little bit earlier than larger productions. The governor of California, uh, Gavin Newsom, is opening up some parts of the state right now. Certainly here in Los Angeles, we have uh, still a large number of cases and it's a, uh, you know, it's, it's still a pretty big problem. But in other parts of the state, it has subsided a little bit. Could you see a point where production moves elsewhere? I mean, either in the state or outside of California to other areas where it's not quite as bad right now? Yeah, totally. I can see it. Um, I can see it. Well, you know, production has always been elsewhere in a lot of ways in, in, in LA because, 
you know, you shoot a lot of things in Canada, for example, um, and in other states, but most likely if there are places that are safer to shoot, I think that's the first thing people will try to do is to go to those places and, and try to shoot there because, you know, you have to find ways to continue content in, in safe ways uh, where everyone feels safe, but also it is paramount to, to continue doing uh, what you love to do. And I think, uh, you know, we're all here because of that reason. And so people really are excited to get back to work. It's just a matter of when we can do that safely. It's, you know, it's possible that uh, production is going to be disrupted far beyond just the return to a set. I mean, I could envision uh, instances where an actor or writer or director has been attached to a particular project that was supposed to start, let's say, next month or the month after that, and they thought that the earlier project they were working on was going to be all finished by then, and you know, now it's, it's not, and now they have to try to try to juggle those two things or you know potentially you could have an actor who looks a little bit different if they were in the middle of filming something and maybe they get, they gained the quarantine 15 and now they have to try to get them back into uh, into shape in order to be back to the same size or the same look that they had when they were doing this other project is that going to be a problem do you think yeah i mean you, you, i think those are those are those are questions that you know you don't have until this happens and those are questions that i don't think anyone has ever dealt with before so Contracts are going to be messy. A lot of lawyers are going to be working overtime and uh, trying to sort everything out. Um, but I, I believe they'll all be sorted out. I believe, you know, I'm, I'm an optimist and I believe that once this sort of uh, is, is under control, so to speak, um, I think things will happen the way they did. And, and, and it does really sort of, as bad as everything is going on right now, you also realize with content, is important people are at home they they want obviously new content and i think when when this does um uh, move to the next phase where people can shoot uh i think people are gonna be very excited and happy and i think there's be more content than ever being produced at that time uh let's talk a little bit about animation which is something you know quite a bit about you've been directly involved with for many years now you've been working remotely on your show so you're one of like the few uh, areas where they actually continued to work. Um, so your show, Apple and Onion, has been going on. When did you first get the word that you were going to have to go remotely? And how was that explained or, you know, or did it just evolve? Um, I think we were lucky in the sense that we were very proactive um, and uh, we started quarantining or being sheltered in place, I guess, uh, for a while. And it was really, really early for us. Um, we were very lucky that our writer's room had a writer that was in England throughout our entire existence of the show, which means we were in a semi-virtual writer's room the entire time. So we were very comfortable being on um, something like this. Uh, I spend you know, hours on this e each day um, with other writers. And so when we moved to um, a fully virtual writer's room, it was pretty seamless for us at least because it was you know, what we were used to. And um, that was a, a gift. And I think a lot of animation uh, is, you're, you're able to create animation as a, an entire production uh, with each individual sort of artist or contributor to that process, uh, able to work from home. Um, because it's, it's a different thing than live action because you know, there are no live sets and there's no you know, locations and all that. So I think you, you, you really do get the, the, the benefit of being able to do a lot of what you need to do for animation from home. The only thing that is causing us um, some problems is recording. So when we record artists that we record 
uh, cast members, so voice vo vo voiceover um, actors, um, we have a, um, a hard time, you know, safely bringing them in. On our show, you know, sometimes actors come in two or three at a time in the booth and and riff off each other, for example, and so that that can't um, happen, obviously. So we're trying to figure out ways around it. But I think that's an industry-wide thing. I've I've spoken to my colleagues as well on other animation uh, uh, shows, and they have all said the same thing. We're sort of in, that's the bottleneck right now, but I think there's a way we're gonna be able to get through it. And, um, and, and so that, but that's really the last piece. Why don't you explain for the audience what a writer's room is like when you're actually at the studio and then how it changed when you're actually doing it as a remote broadcast? Sure. Um, well, you know what, the good answer to that is that it hasn't changed a lot. And uh, so, so really the writer's room um, being fully virtual has not changed very much. Uh, in fact, we're finding a lot of benefits uh, that, that we never even realized that we could have before because before we would share things online, reference points, for example, if we were talking about a joke that we might wanna do or a plot point or something that one of our characters may want, we would show it, um, like show it to the, the writer who was not in LA. And, but now we were able to just, all of us can sort of send each other through the, the writer's room, um, things that, we, so it's a lot easier to pitch something when I could go, hey, and it looks like this. And hey, and it looks like, you know, like what if it sort of resembled that? And I can just sort of flip it over to the writer's room and, um, and that's, that's helpful. Um, so I think those are the things that you find that are, are benefits of that. Um, taking little breaks, we take little breaks now that we never really did. Um, or maybe we did, but we just never really called them little breaks. But I think that's kind of cool because, you know, you're at home. So, you know, you can go grab lunch and then come back and start again. Or, you know, we, we may leave this on and, and just continue to do the things that we do and come back. And, and sometimes we're, we're, we're uh, receiving a package at the front door and still listening to some of the writers pitch some jokes, come back. And, and you know, so you're always constantly uh, involved. Uh, we use messaging a lot more now than we ever did. Um, we message each other, we pitch on things um, through a group chat, you know, if we leave a meeting a little early, um, you know, there may be like, hey, we need a joke on this part of the script. And then people will message the group and say, here's, and then we get a bunch of pitches that way. We never did that before. Um, or we did, but very, very lightly, but now we do a lot more. Um, and so those are the little ways that, and in a lot of ways, you know, you start off from a point of going, oh, wow, this is going to be really tough. But then you start realizing like, oh, these are things that we should be doing when, when we're in a, in a real room. You know, this is not, this is not um, a bad thing. It's, in fact, it's, it's helping us um, write better scripts. And um, that's, that's always a really good thing. How much time a day do you have to spend online? Um, so our, our show is a little different. Like we'll meet um, briefly sometimes. Sometimes we'll meet for hours at a time. Uh, depending on what we're doing. And then the writers sort of break off and, and write scripts and write outlines and write premises on their own. Um, so we're lucky that way. And as writers, it's a lot easier to sort of, you know, meet and then sometimes, for example, I'll be off on a script and I'll be stuck on something. So I'll ask the writers, hey, would you like to meet on Zoom for a little bit? I'm stuck here. And then they will, they'll pitch on it, they'll help me out and then I'll go. So, so it's a lot of impromptu stuff. So we're basically just waiting on call a lot of times. But then we have our scheduled meetings that go on, um, sometimes long, sometimes not. But um, it's dynamic in that way. Uh, but yeah, no, it's 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 great. It's great to always open up your laptop and have uh, writers there to help you. 
how long did it take you and your fellow writers to get used to this, to get into the groove of uh, meeting online? Was it because obviously it's, it's kind of happened sort of abruptly and then you were thrust into this and did it take a while or did it just kind of naturally happen? Um, well, because we were sort of semi-virtual the entire time, it felt so, so comfortable um, that I don't even remember when we did it because it was like, oh, it just, instead of having one screen, we have four or five, you know, like that are, that are here. So it felt very, very easy for us. It was very, um, we transitioned very seamlessly to um, working virtually. Um, I even feel it weird saying virtually because it's not, it doesn't feel like it's virtual. It feels you know, I, I, we haven't physically seen each other for months now, but it does feel like we've always sort of been together, if that makes sense. And for the writer in London, it was no big deal. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, he lives outside of London, so he lives on a farm. And it's so, it's so nice for him to like, you know, you'll see his background. And we have another writer who has this, he's up in the valley uh, north of L.A. And, you know, this, it's nice. It's actually nice to to see the person you're working with at their home environment. I have a cat that sort of walks in and out and that's sort of part of the daily experience. And, you know, um, other people have kids and they're doing like things in the background. And it's just fun because, you know, sometimes, and this actually happened, um, we, we saw sort of uh, so, someone, someone's kid run into the, into the uh, scene, I guess, the, of the writer's <laughs> room. And we thought it was funny and, and it sort of turned into the script like we were using things that were happening in the, in the Zoom sort of meeting and, and, um, and using that in the writer's room. So a lot of really positive sort of developments here. Well, ordinarily, you have a table read at some point in the in the week and you bring the actors in and they read the script aloud and you get to hear it and hear your jokes and hear your writing and the artists get to hear how the characters are being portrayed and so forth. Are you able to replicate that as well? Well, we, we, we have a different sort of situation where we have um, we have George basically do or sorry, uh, our uh, creator and uh, showrunner. Um, also is the voice of Apple. So he does uh, Apple and Onion together. And so we do what's called a read-through. And so that read-through allows us to hear how the jokes are playing. And then we do what's called a handout, which is we hand out the script to um, all of the team members uh, on our show. And those things have continued to happen through, um, through WebEx and through um, Microsoft Teams and, and things like that. Um, so those have been going pretty smoothly. And again, we found some benefits of, of being online and being able to share reference points. And, you know, when you're, when you're doing animation, uh, one of the major things is that you're trying to express an idea that may be very big and very, um, you know, unique and very uh, bizarre in some ways. And so for you to have a reference point at, at the ready, because, you know, when you're live and you're in person, a lot of the artists will just draw on a, on a, on a, on a, a post-it and say, here's what I'm thinking. And so here you could do the same thing, or you could just say like Google images, here's kind of what I was looking for the slide that they're going to go on. Here's how this looks. Um, and that's just really, really helpful. And you don't have that ability when you're in a, in a actual room. Um, it just takes a lot longer. So that, that's, that's been going really well. And, uh, and, and I think in terms of the handout and in terms of, of read throughs we're doing it online and we're doing it through here and it's not there's the, the timing is a little different but it's not that that crazy and um we're getting it smoother each week uh we've been talking about apple and onion maybe it'd be useful to just tell the folks who, who apple and onion are and what the show's about a little bit yeah uh well uh, it's 
I like, I like looking at um, Twitter and looking at how our um, viewers describe the show because it's a lot better than how I would describe it. But, you know, it's kind of Remember, like a rated G here. We have to keep it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like Flight, Flight of the Concords for uh, kids. Uh, it's kind of like um, uh, it's just two newcomers to uh, America and they're British and they are apple and an onion and they live in a world of food and um, they are just trying to sort of get by and uh, uh, I live their life in, in this new world. And uh, that's really the, the premise of the show. Um, they have sort of an optimism. And uh, as you said, once you watched it, they, uh, nothing ever goes right for them, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a great way to describe it. So I'll use your words to describe it. <laughs> Uh, now it's in all of the characters uh, are food products of some sort, and you now are a food product on the show. Tell us a little bit about your character. Yeah, I'm very excited about this because uh, it took me uh, uh, years to get myself inserted into the show. And, uh, <laughs> no, honestly, I, I you know uh, I'm Canadian, and uh, I, there's a food in Canada called poutine, and that's uh, French Canadian. It's uh, fries and gravy and uh, cheese curds and it's amazing it's <laughs> <Very> so healthy <laughs> it's is, is the greatest food ever and uh so there's a character named poutine and i voice him and uh he's also indian weirdly so there's this indian canadian uh poutine character and uh he he um is is he debuts in an episode called uh, drone shoes which um is uh, he owns a uh, local volcano, uh, uh, a tourist sort of thing. And, and so Apple and I can go to the uh, local volcano because, you know, everyone has a local volcano. So uh, <laughs> that's, um, and that's, uh, that's uh, poutine. So yeah, everyone's a food item. Um, we have a falafel character that is their landlord. Um, we have a Jamaican Patty who is their boss. Um, and so we have all these, these characters that are food and um, it's, it's just a fun, crazy show now do you get to write your dialogue for your character i try and then george will our our, our, our showrunner will, will will you know it, it's a show but i'll try to push some uh some jokes and then I'll, I'll try you know but you know i'm delivering the line so i deliver it like how, how you're hearing me now is <laughs> literally how the character uh, sounds. How, that how the character sounds <laughs> yeah very very like monotone and just you know <laughs> All the viewers at home are going, yep, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, writing is both a solitary and a, co a collaborative effort in a way. I mean, you write, uh, I know you, and you write a lot of times late at night or on weekends. Uh, you know, you're often writing at odd, at odd hours. So in that sense, you've been kind of working remotely for your whole career because there's at least part of it that you're doing it on your own. And then, of course, when uh, the, the script is put into play, you have other people who are collaborating with you on it. Um, has working at home through this virus, has this been just sort of an extension of that or does it somehow seem different to you? No, I think it's, uh, it's I've heard other writers describe it as it is um, something where writers are at home with, you know, we're, we're usually at home anyways. And this, this um, virus and this pandemic uh, means that we're at home more. And it really does give you some sort of thought as a writer creatively you know, that there's something you need to say about not just the current situation, but, you know, this is something that's happened once in what a hundred years. And so it is important as an artist, as a writer, as any artist really, um, to, to, to have your voice heard. And I think we're all affected by this in a, 
different way and every artist is going to have a different interpretation of it and so for me it was really helpful to uh, be at home and also, you know, have the time to write. I mean, you have lots of time to think and write. And, you know, there's only so much you can watch on TV. At some point, you're going to be able to um, to use this to your benefit. And that's what's so great about, you know, I commute a lot. I commute to the to the show, to their studio, and I come back. And that's about two hours of my time that now I have. And yeah. so th those those things and, and building a routine as a writer is, is really important. I do, I do write uh, at odd hours but at the same time you know routine is is really really important for me now uh, have you learned anything about yourself during this so you said you mentioned you have a cat howard and right. I, i'm gonna say that howard is a female cat but howard is named for howard stern so yeah. uh <laughs> now is is howard, kind of, is, is howard kind of annoyed with having you around day and night and expressed yeah. that to you in some way yeah, I started to realize that, you know, my cat would now, like, ever since the pandemic, would, when I got into a room, uh, my cat would go to the other room. And, and <laughs> when I got to that room, my cat would go, and that's, and that, that I did that a lot with you over here. I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I kind of understand but, that. Yeah, that happened about halfway through the pandemic. I started realizing my cat was giving me subtle hints, like, okay, are you not leaving again? What's happening? Like, you know, so I think she's having her own sort of personal crisis, but... Um, I'm here to stay. <laughs> now, for those uh, folks who might be watching this vodcast, uh, they're probably also avid readers of The Communicator. And if they read the fall 2019 issue of The Communicator, they would have seen a story about you and your film directorial debut uh, for the short comedic film uh, Coffee Shop Names, which has been a, a big hit in the festival circuit this spring. Even a lot of the festivals have had to cancel their their screenings and so forth. The festivals have gone on. It was just about a year ago that you were in the pre-production phase of this film. What a difference a year makes. <laughs> if this were the year that, if this were right now, if this was happening a year ago, uh, how different would that would have been? Would you have been able to do the film? Oh, I would, I'm, I'm so grateful, you know, that it happened the year it did. I'm just so fortunate. Sometimes you just look at your timing and go, wow, this is a year. Now, I, I really, my heart goes out to anyone who is in the middle of a project or doing something that, you know, they spend, if you remember, like a lot of times films take forever to get together, um, to, to get to a place where they can make it. You know, sometimes they spend 10 years trying to get the financing and, you know, you have an actor like you were saying earlier, you know, you have an actor for a window and, 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 and then this hits and everything stops. And it's really, really, um, my heart goes out to them because I know for me, it was tough even without anything else, you know, and it, it is, it's tough. Um, I just, it was just a short film, but you know, it was a, a time commitment and, and it was a lot of things have to sort of fall into place for that film to, to work. And for this to, to the complications that you have here, it's really, really tough. And, uh, I don't know what I would do. I think it would be a really hard. You can't shoot. Um, you can't be, you can't have your set. Uh, you, you, it's really, you can only do pre-production and, and, you know, plan out your script and storyboard to do everything you possibly can to hit the ground running when you get a able to. But um, no, I, I, I'm very fortunate that it happened. Um, we got it all done last year. And, um, and that, that alone was, 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 was such an incredible ride. But at the same time, it's like, well, how are people going to shoot things now? I mean, people are going to still create things. They just wonder how they're going to do it. If it's indoor, if it's found footage, for example, um, documentaries, um, things that they can do without having to shoot with a set, I think it's going to happen. Um, more and more of that will happen.
If a film uh, had been in post-production during this, uh, I suppose there are opportunities for it to continue. But yes. uh, any, anything that was uh, either in production or just about to go in production, that would have been, that would have been the uh, death knell at that point anyway. Yeah, it's very tough. It's very tough because, you know, um, like you were saying, just even like in terms of actors, well, see, the actors are so versatile and they uh, are able to sort of recreate the looks that they need. Like, a lot of them are very good. But locations, you know, you might lose a location. Mm -hmm. uh, like literally lose it. Like in the sense that that, that, that business may not return. Um, and so you, how do you shoot there if you have half of your shots already? Um, so I, I don't know how those things happen and I don't know how, how people will be able to, um, pick up where they left off. Um, so I guess we'll see. There's certainly a lot of speculation that there will be another spike in the virus at some point, either in the fall or the winter. Do you think that might weigh in on some folks' minds in terms of actually ramping up production for fear of, boy, we're going to go through this whole thing, this whole thing again. We're going to get started, and then boom, we're going to have to stop. Do you think they're going to kind of wait it out, or how might that? I don't be? know. You know, you know. I think each 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 studio is going to have to make their call. Each. Um, each producer, each director, you're going to have to make their call because uh, it all depends. I mean, I feel like, yeah, you have to rush to get content, but, you know, maybe you're rushing to get animation at this point just to sort of, you know, wait until it is, is safe and then do live action. But I think that it's going to be, um, it's going to be tough because even animation is, is a long uh, uh, runway that you have to go through to get to the end of the, the, the final product where you can actually have someone watch it. It takes about a year um, in animation to get from script to something you could put on television or put on a streamer. So um, it, it, it's, 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 it's an interesting predicament because, you know, I, I wonder how content will change because is it going to be films that are, you know, contained horror films, you know, like one location. Is it going to be those those types of things? Are we going to see more of that? I, I think that the answer is probably going to be, yeah, we're going to see more of those things. Less day players, for example. Day player is, a, a, you know, a guest star on a show that may just be on for one episode. I, I think it's going to be hard to have a lot of uh, background actors. It's going to be hard to have a lot of um, uh guest stars, you know, you're going to have to have smaller crews, you're going to have to have smaller cast members, you're going to have to have less locations. I think all those things are going to be true, but that just pushes you to try to write more and better, you know? Yeah. You might want to write a script for something to be shot in Antarctica. I think that. <laughs> yeah. It was, it's funny because when you were mentioning that, it, it dawned on me that, you know, if you were shooting on location in March, let's say on the East Coast, you might have been looking for a winter scene or a snowy scene or so forth. You're going to have to, and if you're in the middle of that, you're going to have to wait a while. Yeah, <laughs> to, I know. For continuity purposes to get back into, the, into that groove is going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, but then you got to rewrite it as a summer scene or something. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, that's that's the really tough part because it'll it'll make writers have to write around certain things. Like writers are always having to write around things, and directors and everyone in in the in the to to try to fit it into it. Like, yeah, so you're gonna have to switch um, up things based on you know your current needs. Well, that's about all we have time for today. Thanks, Deepak, for joining us, and thanks to all of you for watching. I'll see you next time. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Penn State Conversations. For more information about the Donald P. Belisario College of Communications, including the latest news and upcoming events, visit belisario.psu.edu or find us on social media at PSU Belisario on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.